I'm Josh Liston from On The Bubble Podcast, an oral history of television fandom, part of the Gunna Geek Network, just like the show you're checking out now. Shows on the network are individually owned and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other awesome geeky shows at GunnaGeekNetwork.com. Welcome to episode 271 of Better Podcasting. On this show, we cut it up and discuss personal editing choices. In this week's Better Podcasting download, we give our takes on the video versus audio debate. And finally, in this week's Better Podback, we play tag with our podcast. Lauren, tag, you're it. It's time to start the show now. This is Better Podcasting. We are hobby podcasters through and through, just like you. That's why we are different. We minimize the money talk so that you can focus on building a better podcast. Welcome to episode 271 of Better Podcasting. I am Steven, and with me, of course, is the fantastic SP. No, I was looking forward to this recording all week long, including three long days on top of a frozen lake. Yes, I have walked on water in the past week specifically to get all the way to this podcast. Uh, uh, That's what I expect, SP. You definitely do walk on water. Uh, We're here to record the penultimate episode of season two of Better Podcasting, because if you didn't know this, we did switch to a season format. So we've got this one and next week's episode before we take a bit of a break and do the Better Podcasting live chats podcast. So that will wrap up season two of Better Podcasting next week. So you got this one and one more before we do the live chats, which by the way, we do stream this show live on Wednesdays at 4 p.m. Pacific, 7 p.m. Eastern. And that will be when we continue doing Better Podcasting live chats. Today, we've got a fun episode to talk about editing and the way that some of your personality and your personal history will influence your editing choice. Now, at Better Podcasting, we've always maintained that to produce a better podcast, you probably should apply some form of editing. And that's why today we do want to have this conversation about editing and how that influence will affect your decision. But let's start right there, because whether you edit or not does actually remain a personal decision that you have to make as a hobby podcaster. Right, SP? That's true, because we need to at least acknowledge that some hobby podcasters elect not to edit their podcasts for a variety of reasons, which may include their experience with editing, the time commitment it's going to take to edit, maybe the purpose of the podcast. Say they just have a live to real take type show, right? Or even just their personal preference. They don't want to edit and they want to go forward with that type of show. But assuming you choose to edit, how you edit is just as much of a personal decision. There seems to be an unlimited amount of decisions in editing. Do you edit? How much do you edit? Will you edit yourself or are you going to outsource it? How do you edit? What effects do you plan on applying? Will you edit in multi-track or just go with a combined track? What sort of sound design will you apply? And is it just easier to silence my track each week and pretend I didn't even record? As we've often said with hobby podcasting, the answer to all of these questions is a combined, it depends, mixed in with a healthy dose of 
There's no right or wrong answer, only best practices. With so many choices available to you, we wanted to discuss this topic with a personal podcasting point of view in mind and hopefully give you some considerations and information to help you make those decisions for your show. Perhaps, though, before we start down the path of our editing discussion, we first need to point out that in order to make a better podcast, you will need a few things, which includes good, engaging content, listenable sounding recorded or streamed audio, an idea of what you want the final product to sound like, and also you need to have the heart and the passion for podcasting. Now, sometimes editing experience will help the shape of what your perceptions to these this show is going to be and some of the starting points. But wherever you are in your podcasting journey, your editing skill set will help shape your starting point and will help shape your podcast. But getting back to the choice at hand to edit or not to edit, we say yes, but here are some thoughts to both sides of the coin because we do want to give a fair shake about both sides of that coin. I don't know how you shake a coin, but you do. The pros, the pros to editing, with as much competition as there is in podcasting, a properly edited show might help you stand out amongst other podcast choices for your audience that maybe aren't as well put together. Also, sometimes you can help reduce the length of your episode by tightening it up with editing. Think about it this way. Every minute that's shortened with your episode multiplied by the amount of listeners to your episode will save that many minutes of human productivity for the world. Basically, you're going to allow your listeners to enjoy your show in a shorter time, allowing them to do other things as well with their time. The other big benefit that we want to mention right now, which some people overlook is that you can remove things that you might have second thoughts or you might think don't necessarily fit that great into your podcast. For example, sometimes we do edit things out on our podcast when we're listening back to the show during editing and we realize maybe a point doesn't come across so clear or maybe we said something and it, the delivery didn't come across as intended. By taking a pass through editing, you can remove these things to make sure that people aren't hearing something that you didn't mean or that you think maybe a little bit differently about it that versus when you recorded the episode. And the other pro that we want to mention is that you can shift areas of your podcast to help the flow better. This can be helpful if you are a talking head podcast, especially. Say, for example, SP and I are having a chat here about the latest paint products that are applicable over on the Stevens Paint Drying podcast. And he sits there and he talks about the Home Depot brand of paint. And then I go and I talk about the Lowe's brand of paint. But he just loves Home Depot so much that he's going to come back and he's going to talk about Home Depot again. Maybe I want to go and I want to put those two Home Depot discussions together because they flow better than hopping back and forth. By the way, neither of us have a personal preference between the two. <laughs> Ask your one Williams, right? <laughs> and Stephen mentioned that it may be a talking head podcast, but it also would apply to an audio drama where maybe you do some foreshadowing out of sequence or a tabletop playthrough podcast. You can put different things in different places. Those editing choices also help those type of podcasts. 
So now let's switch to the other side of the coin and let's talk about some of the things that could come from not editing your podcast. Sometimes unedited shows are really hard to follow, especially if there are variables like over talking where you can't hear clearly what's being said or long winded explanations. You're like, just come on. You've already gotten to the point. Let's move on or whatever it is. It's hard to listen to. And generally, you have to record the show in a one and done fashion. You're on from the beginning to the end, as opposed to edited shows where you can take a break as needed. You can reset yourself. You can make corrections on the spot and then splice it in. It's a lot better and it's a lot easier because if you make that mistake and you're 50 minutes into your show, you have to go back to the start and do it all over again if you want to get it all right. <sighs> That's a lot there. It just ends up taking more time, especially if you have to reset two or three times to get even if you have a five minute show, you could reset 15 times. Stephen, how many times have you done a short video for social media? It's like one minute long and you've had to reset multiple times. How many times have you done that? More than I can count. Right. Same here. And it just ends up taking more time to do that one and done. Unfortunately, with social media, sometimes it just that's the easier path to go. But with a long form content, it's just going to be easier to make, be able to take that edit cut. Now, for the remainder of this discussion, we're going to assume that you have either decided to edit your show or need more information on what might be entailed if you do edit your show. So let's start this discussion by asking, what's your current editing skill set? Have you ever edited long-form content video or audio before? Start with this question, because there's really no sugarcoating it here. It's going to take you a hot minute to try to figure out how to edit if you haven't done this before. If you have edited long-form content before, what aspects of it did you like? And did you feel you were actually good at it? Do you want to try to edit in a different matter or is there some things in it that you'd like to try to avoid as you start to edit your podcast? These are things that you should consider because it's going to take you time to edit your podcast and maybe you want to consider the shortcuts that might exist for software and effects. We'll come back to that a little bit later. But the other question that we should ask you, have you ever used any form of editing software remotely before? And the reason we ask this is because there are lots of people who these days do editing in ways that are not associated with podcasting. You look at any social media tool that does video or audio, a lot of times those apps and those tools have editors built into them. So if the answer is yes, and you have done editing in any form before, you might actually find it's an easier thing for you to slide into now editing your podcast. And you might be able to undertake a little bit more heavy of an edit. But if you've never done any editing at all and you have no concept of it, you might want to take a more broad approach to start your editing. Maybe you're just going to look at editing out big gaps or maybe taking out larger sections rather than the fine finessing of a podcast. The other question you should ask yourself, which is one that we like to recommend all the time to hobby podcasters, is do you have funds available for your podcast? Because hobby podcasters are going to always have to budget how much they want to spend on their hobby. With a business podcast, there's usually going to be a certain level of startup costs that are associated, and that would help 
with the editing process. But without having the whole customer's focus of a podcast as a hobby podcaster, you're going to need to set the budget that you want to spend on your hobby. And that means you might not have that much to put towards your editing if you've spent that money elsewhere. This is universal though in hobbies. Someone who takes beer league hockey, they're probably only going to allocate a certain amount of money for the equipment for hockey. They're probably not going to go and buy top tier equipment just for their beer league hockey, but they're also maybe not going to just go and, and buy the damaged skates that they can barely even keep upright. I, I don't skate, by the way, but, but, but you know what I mean. You, you know, you're not going to go buy the bottom of the barrel stuff because it's your hobby and you're going to want to have some level of comfort, some level of fun that you're going to pay for in order to enjoy your hobby. And it's the same thing with your podcast. You need to figure out what costs do you want to spend on your podcast and how um, also how much time that you want to spend on it. If you're trying to save some money, you may be forced to use something like Audacity. But if you're going to budget, you may be willing to spend money on something that works a little easier. Or possibly, as we mentioned before, you may consider that outsourcing editing option. This will likely save you a lot of time learning how to edit as well as doing the editing. This can be really helpful if you don't have a lot of technical skill or experience to draw on. There are some cons with this, though. You're giving away some of that editing decision making. And you also have to learn to work with somebody else and communicate your idea of what you want the final product to look like to somebody else. You may have a certain vision for your podcast. And if you're driving the editing, you can shape the show to that vision. If somebody else is doing the editing, if you're outsourcing it, you have to find a way to make sure that they're editing to fit that vision. So there are some cons to outsourcing. It's not just a one and done sort of thing. And it actually could take longer because you might have to round trip the files back and forth to do some QA on it. So it's not always a panacea, but at least you're not doing the editing. It does cost though. So Steven, let's say you want to edit yourself. How might you go about choosing that editing program? Well, let's start with a very important question. First, do you want to focus specifically on audio or do you want to include a video aspect as well? And the second question we'd encourage you to ask yourself is if you're including video, do you want to get all the features that you might get with an audio focused editor? Or do you want a little bit of a balance of the two where you get some features towards the audio aspect, but you also get some video rich features as well? If it's the former situation, you're probably going to be looking at a more complex method. Maybe you're going to be looking at round tripping audio out from your video editor into your audio editor, and maybe then back again to your video. This is the bottom line is that a, a lot of the programs and the tools that are out there, they may incorporate aspects of video and audio, but they still focus on one specific area. So uh, an audio editor usually has more feature rich elements for audio editing than a video editor that has audio features. Now, this is actually something that SP does. SP, explain your process. So my main product is always the audio product, but I do release a video product and I do edit the video. So what I ended up doing first is I do a video edit and that includes like a rough cut of the 
audio with it as well. There's simple things that you just can't take out of the audio when you're doing video. There's words that people are saying that their mouth is working and no sound is coming out. It just looks really weird. So you can't take that word out and you can't really clip that short little bit of time to take that word out. So you leave it in the video edit. Well, what I do then is I render an audio file, in my case, a FLAC from, I use Vegas is the editor that I use, Vegas Edit 19. And then I take the FLAC file and I throw it in an audio editor. Right now I'm using Audacity for that audio editor, although I wanna try using something else like Reaper for that. And then I edit the audio more finely and I take out those crutch words, which I'm not able to take out before or even entire over-talking sentences or whatever that I'm able to talk out and it just makes more sense. It means I'm editing twice though, so it does take more time. And my audio product is the product that I wanna get out. The video product is just a byproduct of that whole process. So what else might help you choose what program that you want to go with? Well, there is obviously the cost factor that we mentioned earlier, but you also want to consider familiarity. What is your personal experience with software to date? Are you someone who has experience with a certain editor? This is an important question because I'm somebody who has recently switched from using uh, a couple of editors that are very similar in nature to one that is different. And if I was somebody who had a level of experience with editing in a certain program, and I overall like that, I'd probably want to look at an editing choice that is in line with that so that I have that familiarity and I can basically get a running start. You should consider what your experiences have been to date using these. And if you haven't used an editor to date, what are some similar things that you've done before? For example, are you somebody who does regularly tinker in software like photo editors or, you know, random music programs or something that, you know, is taking something and transforming it into something else. Take a look at, at what you've used that you can draw on any level of experience, because if you do, it's hopefully going to make your process a little easier and more fun. If you're somebody who has largely been involved in an app type world or a mobile type world, you might be more inclined to try something that has their roots in a more modern handheld or app-based experience with a tablet. Although there are some programs that have managed to make a successful jump from a desktop-based program over to an app-based experience, the reality is a lot of programs that try to do that are still finding their footing. They can be sometimes cumbersome, especially if you're somebody trying to use that tablet experience. If you're wanting to keep away from the keyboard and mouse, your experience is going to be a lot more limited, at least today in early 2023, which to be clear, we're not knocking. This actually makes your choices a little bit easier as your scope is more limited because your options are more limited. If you're going to do the traditional, what we call anyway, traditional keyboard or mouse editing or desktop experience, if you will, you will probably be limited by Ye old Mac versus Windows challenge. I feel like you should say that with an English accent. 
I feel like I can't actually do an English <laughs> accent. So we'll just leave it at that. Especially when it comes to video, the difference in Mac and Windows is pronounced. For example, Vegas Pro is only available on Windows and Final Cut Pro is only available on Mac. They're both really decent programs, but you can only use them on one or the other. Now, DaVinci Resolve is on both and Linux. Oh yeah, before we continue, Linux or Linux, however you want to say it, may really provide limits for both audio and video, but neither of us use it, so we won't pretend to be able to speak to it. We did ask a couple of people about it. We didn't get a lot of response on it. So if you are editing in Linux or Linux, please let us know. We would love to know what your experience is with that. And if you're editing for Linus in Linux, we'd also like to know about that. <laughs> but to continue, let me ask you this. Are you somebody who is willing to try a newfangled method for editing? If so, you may not even want to consider the traditional DAW or video editor route. You may want to try a text editor, something like Descript. Now, what Descript is is a capability that you can throw a file into. It shows you words on a screen and you're able to actually edit with the words. Sometimes those edits sound well, but sometimes they don't. I've seen examples and heard examples. And if you're doing rough cuts with big broad cuts, it works okay. If you're trying to do that finite cut within a word, you know, the and um, and you want to cut out the um, it's not going to sound all that great. So anyway, it is a way to edit. You have to learn to use it successfully. And instead of using the waveform, which most other editors that we use for audio anyway, show the actual audio in terms of a, a data script, like a waveform or something like that. If you want to get away from that and just use the text, you can try something like Descript. Your personality is going to have a big influence on whatever you decide. If you're somebody who is looking for an endless amount of support or somebody who thinks they want to use their initial experience as a jumping point to the next iteration of their podcasting, an editor like this might not be for you. On the flip side, if you're somebody who just wants something a little easier to understand as you have technical limitations, and you know I'm old, so I get technical limitations now, even though I'm a rocket scientist, this might be a great opportunity. As some podcasters argue, it's a really easy way to get into editing. And then there's another bonus because you're automatically converting the audio to text. So guess what you get out of it? You get a transcript. So that is another bonus from it, but we're not big into transcripts for hobby podcasts. So we'll leave that decision for you. And that is a discussion for another day. Let's ask you this. How do you feel, though, about the idea of spending time editing? Are you willing to spend a lot of time in the, quote, editing bay, end quote? Or is it something that's just going to be a necessary chore for you to podcast and you just want to get it done and over with as fast as you can? You know, like going to visit your in-laws after a very, very rough meal of arguing over this, that, and the other of the generational divide. Sorry, let's leave that there. Is this going to be something you just want to get out of the way? If you're looking to pick up your editing speed, then you may want to make some corner cutting decisions. For example, you may want to skip the whole idea of multi-track editing. Now, for those of you who aren't familiar with that, multi-track editing 
is when you have an individual recording for each of the people involved with your podcast. This helps you remove things like over-talking or other things that might not be possible if you only had one recording that had everybody on one track. Or you might consider writing down time codes as you record your podcast just for larger notable edit points. Then later when you're editing, you can reference these and that will help speed things up. Little note on this though, because this is how I edit. You're going to want to edit from the end to the start if you're doing the time codes, because if you do the opposite, your time codes are ruined as soon as you make that first edit if you're editing at the start, because everything's going to be shuffled by that edit. So you're going to need to edit from back to front. You also might want to find out what your podcast buddy or the community that you're part of uses for editing. This can really save you time because you can pick their brain and it can save you a lot of headache when these problems arise. And also maybe consider investing in plugins to help automatically clean up some of your podcasts. Fun fact, example of this. Did you know there are actually deep breath plugins on the market to help automatically remove breaths? They exist. There's a whole bunch of plugins that exist, including D-Click, D-Mouth. It's great. Uh, they do cost money, though. You can find some that are free, but generally, if you're going to do the plugins, they're going to cost you some money. So just a little bit of pro-con there. If you're somebody who is willing to spend more time on editing, you can go ahead and try to evaluate different software and find the one that best fits you. Maybe be more meticulous with your editing, spending a lot of time polishing your final product. That is something that could save you some money as well. You're putting in that manual labor instead of finding the paid shortcut, which takes us perfectly into the question, how clean do you want your fraud final product to be? Because if you're somebody who really wants every little detail perfect, removing things like um, ah, crutch words, ticks, and desk claps, microphone bangs, that sort of thing. The reality is you may have no other option but to accept the fact that you're going to be spending a lot of time editing your podcast. Basically, if the idea of putting out a product where there are flaws bothers you, you're not going to escape detailed editing and it's going to take time. Even if you edit at 2x or 3x or 6x or whatever, it's just going to take you more time than it would be if you were okay with flawed audio. This brings us to another point. How do you personally feel about investing in monitoring? This is the aspect in listening back to your podcast. While this is not directly about the editing itself, the reality is without proper monitoring of your podcast during the editing, you may put out a product that sounds very different to you than many listeners. For example, if you're editing by using the speakers built into your laptop, somebody listening to your podcast on headphones, studio monitoring headphones, may hear a lot more defects than you think. Is this something that you care about? If so, you want to put a bit of thought into what the monitoring process will be. Uh, traditionally, the choice comes down to monitoring using headphones or speakers. Now, headphones, we've gone over this before on this show. I'm a great example right now where I'm using closed studio monitoring headphones. They're Shure SRH 840s. And Stephen has just put on a pair himself so he can look like me. 
But Stephen, while he's recording, uses in-ear monitors because he likes to video present himself visually as not wearing headphones. And a lot of people that do video streaming are of the like. So if you're somebody like that, then you're going to perhaps hear less specific details in there. And some people have physical issues wearing headphones, especially in-ear monitoring headphones. For example, I can't wear in-ear monitors, even Apple AirBuds or AirPods, whatever they're called. I can't wear them for a long period of time. Otherwise, I get ear infections. Some people can't wear over-the-head earphones for a variety of reasons. Maybe they don't like how it looks. Maybe they don't like what it does to their hair. Maybe they don't like the heat that's built up over time. There are issues with wearing headphones. But if you get a good pair of studio monitoring headphones with a quote-unquote flat frequency response, then you're going to be pretty much reflecting most ways that people are going to be listening to your show. And also, one of the things with headphones that can be particularly challenging is that people's individual head sizes and, you know, ears make a difference to how they sound or how they feel. This is something that early on we figured out with Better Podcasting because at the time we both were recommending the Audio-Technica ATH-M40X headphones because they were a good price point, sounded pretty decent, pretty decent um, level sound. And then all of a sudden some people started to tell us that, that they found them extremely uncomfortable for editing. Meanwhile, SP was using them for like, you know, 130 hours a week without issue. And, and it just goes to show that people's head shapes and other factors can make a difference with headphones. The other way that you can monitor the audio is through studio monitors. That's what they're actually called. They're speakers, but they're called studio monitors. They reflect a flat frequency response pretty much. So you can hear the spectrum as you're editing through. So the pros is that you're able to hear the actual audio throughout the frequency without one frequency band overpowering another. A con with that, though, is that you're not really reflecting how people are actually listening. They might be listening through AirPods or Bluetooth headphones or whatever, or they could be listening through their car. And car audio is just tremendously notorious for really accentuating the bass, especially high premium sound systems in cars. So you might not understand that you're really pounding that bass in your EQ where you're doing for your show in your track or whatever. And then you get in a car and you're listening to it and you're like, whoa, that is way too much. So then you turn it down in the EQ, maybe even if you're pre-processing it like I do in my Rodecaster Pro 2 and before in my DBX286S, I turn down that bass because I don't need to be that bassy. It might sound great on an FM radio, but if you're listening to long form talk content, you don't want that bass pounding you, especially if you're up close to a mic and you're doing plosive after plosive after plosive. Those explosions just really get to you, especially in a car. So there are some cons to using studio monitors, not to mention the news, the noise pollution that you have for your family or friends that you're living with, or maybe your neighbors or something like that. So a combination sometimes. I mean, I edit both with headphones and studio monitors from time to time. Stephen, are you a studio monitor guy or are you a headphones guy when you edit? 
I'm a studio monitor guy myself, unless I'm making a significant change to something like, you know, someone's gotten new equipment or I'm going to rework a whole bunch of plugins or I've got to try to correct some audio because of some outside circumstance. Then I throw on ye old cans. Still no English accent there. <laughs> the last thing I want to mention about headphones is if you choose to use Bluetooth headphones you're going to be introducing a latency. That means that you're going to be hearing it in your ears split second or so after you're actually seeing it on your editor. So you're introducing that latency or delay into the process, not saying it's good or bad, just saying you're going to have to learn to deal with it if that is how you really want to edit using those Bluetooth headphones. The next thing that we want to mention right now is all about file format, because this is something really relevant to editing. There's the final question, of course, about how you're going to post your podcast in the end. And if we're talking about a traditional audio podcast, to us, the, the, the answer is clear. At this point in 2023, it makes sense, in our opinion, to use an MP3 format. It's just the standard that's out there right now. You're going to have the most widely available distribution because pretty much all podcast players are going to be able to take it. But when it comes to the actual editing process, how are you going to store those files? What are your parameters for keeping the files that you need to work with? Are you looking at a lossless audio or are you looking at something where you're going to save a little bit of space and, and use something that is, is compressed like editing actual MP3s for your MP3 podcast? Or are you going to be just going with the straight, raw, endless amounts of storage of using raw WAV files? These are all things you need to consider. And there's pros and cons to all of them. Personally, we would recommend that you don't edit MP3s as your podcast is being made, because you're basically going to be working with a compressed audio and then in the end, turning it into another compressed audio and sometimes artifacts can come in. So we would recommend you're using something like Wave or FLAC, which is lossless audio or AAC, use something like that during the editing process. But be aware that when you start to get into things like FLAC or AAC, you might end up limiting what your options are available for editors. This is something that we've actually run into before, especially with video editors, where we couldn't use certain ones because they didn't have FLAC support which is a lossless audio format that both of us use in our workflow. So you got to figure out what works for you. If you're somebody that is not storing data long term, term you might want to just use Wave, just raw waves, because you're going to have lots of availability for programs that will work with Wave. And you're going to be getting rid of them in the end. So who cares if you've got a whole bunch of files that are large while you're editing? Once you're done, if you're not keeping all those editing files, you're going to be clearing it up off your hard drive. But if you're a data hoarder like SP and I, you got to think about retaining those WAV files for many, many years, putting them in your will so your great get grandkids can get the raw wave recordings of the Gunna Geek show. It's funny that you mentioned that because I was talking to my father of the weekend of his digital will, which are his files. So yeah, it's a thing now. So, okay. The last thing that we want to mention, although we've, largely been talking under the notion that you'll be doing the editing yourself for the majority of this conversation. Do you want that to be the case? Or do you want others to be involved in the editing? If you want others to be involved, 
is somebody else on your team going to do all the editing? Is it going to be a co-host or some production person that you brought on, like a roadie or something like that? Do you want multiple people to split the duties? Like somebody edits a segment, somebody else does a segment, or somebody takes it for a night and then somebody else takes it for the night. Or do you want one person to take the main duties but have somebody else involved with the process, such as reviewing the final product or reviewing the raw recording and creating editing notes? If you're somebody who really feels you need to be the decision maker, you might want to keep this all just by yourself. But splitting the duties creates support and can help lighten the work. And for some people, editing can be one of the hardest parts of creating a podcast. Plus, you also help create a support system. If for no other reason, there's just some week a primary editor can't fulfill your duties so you can go with somebody else. Sand Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D., if I walk away for a week like I did, we can choose to either record that week and somebody else do the editing or we can choose to take the week off, which is what I did this past week. We just took the week off. So you can make that choice if you have a team of people that can edit. We can't do that on Better Podcasting, though, because SP cannot physically take hearing me any more than the recording session. That's all he can do. So for him to have to try to edit this podcast and hear me again, it would be a nightmare. It would be awful for him. Track delete. (laughs) So now that we've gone through the majority of today's episode discussing your personal influence affecting your podcast editing decisions, we still want to take a few minutes to at least acknowledge a bit of a list of some of the editing products that are available as we record this in January of 2023. And no, as we go through this, we're going to talk about some pricing and things like that. And these are all pricing to the best of our knowledge in U.S. funds as of today, January 18th, 2023. Don't get mad at us if you go and you look it up and it's different, but we want to run down a few options that are available right now. If you are somebody that's wanting to get into editing your podcast or maybe looking to change up your editing process. Let's start off though by talking about just some DAWs, some audio-based editing options. The first one that we're going to talk about is Audacity. It's the first one that I learned how to use to edit. And that was largely because the person, my podcast buddy at the time, Sean, he used Audacity. So he was a big crutch for me to learning how to go ahead. And I didn't want to spend anything at the time. Now, Audacity, you can use with Mac or Windows or I guess Linux too. And it is free and there's a plethora of information out there. The downside is they have been quote unquote bought out. I mean, it's free source code, but somebody's maintaining it and they they've bought it out. And there was a little controversy about ownership of data for that or data mining and that sort of thing. Uh, the best of my knowledge, it has been debunked, but there is still that possibility out there. So if that's a thing that you're concerned with, just keep that in mind and re- do your research on your own. Also, on the Mac side of the house, specifically GarageBand, it comes with just about every single Mac system out there or iOS system out there. I got it on my latest iPhone. It's on an iPad or the iPad. Yeah, not the iPad. Yeah, iPad. <laughs> <laughs> And also, or or is it ye old iPad? Yeah, there you go. Ye old iPad. Uh, so that is available as well. I have never used it before. It was largely designed for music and music production, but you can use it for editors, for an audio editor as well. Now, Reaper is largely touted to a lot of people in the better podcasting circles. I know it's also in the R podcasting subreddit circles as well. 
you can do it for a free trial, I believe for 30 days, but and a license is $60 and you can use it on Mac and Windows and I guess Linux as well. I've never done it before, but I guess it's available there. And then the one that I wanted to use when I first started on Windows was Adobe Audition. This was like the mainstream thing back in the day, right? And I wanted to use it, but unfortunately, they've gone to a monthly subscription model, which when it came out, there was a lot of hesitancy for that. And to be honest with you, I don't want to be spending that much on an editor as well, because as long as I podcast, if you're doing the $20.99 per month subscription, that's like $250 US every year. And then you add that up year after year after year after year. That's a lot of money to be throwing at an editor over time. You can't take a year off. It's not like, oh, I'm just not going to upgrade to the latest thing this year and I'm going to save some money. And so it just adds up an expense. However, it's a pretty good editor and it is available on Mac and Windows. Another one that has been used for a long time is Avid Pro Tools. It starts off with a subscription at $99 a year, and this is US dollars, or $9.99 a month. There are tiers that exist above that, and it's available on Mac and Windows. Magic SoundForge Audio Studio. It's available for $40. I believe that's a one-time purchase. There's a pro version out there for $150. It's available on Windows. I have not used it, but I know a lot of people have. Also, Cubase, which comes with a lot of Seinberg stuff that's available out there. Some uh, hardware, it comes with that as well. Steven, I believe this is something that you had when you had hardware, right? Yeah, it came with uh, an old capture card. In fact, when we started Better Podcasting, I was still using it. Um, it was a USB, I say capture card, but it was a USB external um, device. No, it wasn't actually. It was Fire FireWire device, actually. Yeah, and, there you go. Uh, so it was FireWire and it came with it. And, and you know, a lot of people have used it. A lot of people still love it, it seems. For me, I, I gave it a shot for editing, but found other solutions I liked a little bit better. So that is available for $150. Logic Pro is available for $200, and that's available on a Mac. That's an audio editor. And then there's Hindenburg Journalist, which is available for $100 a year. I've actually seen this various different uh, iterations. I actually bought it on some sort of a sale, like the Radio Day sale, like five, six years ago, something like that. I tried it a little bit. It is a good editor for what it is. I just have used other things along the way, but it is available for Windows and Mac. So there's some examples of some DAWs out there. If you're just doing an audio show that you can go ahead and, and start selecting from if you're just choosing your audio DAW or want to change your audio DAW today. Now we're going to transition into some video programs. Let's start off by re-mentioning Reaper because it does actually do some video stuff as well. And of course, that's Windows, Mac, and Linux. You've also got Adobe Premiere Pro, which is available for Mac and Windows, and that starts at also $20.99 per month on subscription. Now, here's where we're going to take a little minute to, to go back a little bit to the Adobe pricing that we were mentioning a second ago, because if you are somebody that does a bunch of things like, like photo editing and video editing and audio editing, you might think about getting the Adobe Creative Cloud subscription, which is a higher price point for a bunch of different products. So although it's very, very valid, the, the prices will stack up very quickly as you have month after month after month. 
if you're doing other things already that are in the Adobe suite, it maybe isn't going to actually cost you any more if you're already paying for that Creative Cloud subscription for other purposes in your life. Final Cut Pro. This one is a Mac-only thing, and it's $299 from what we can see. And while we're talking about Mac, let's flip over to Windows exclusives, which is the Magic's Vegas Pro. As of this time, the list price is $199 US, or there is a monthly option available at $19 per month. So you can take the quote perpetual license or the ongoing monthly license. Now, we've talked about Magic's Vegas Pro quite a bit before. That's the one that SP and I have been using for a little while. And the former junior version of it, which was based off of the same software, that's our long history with that. If you have questions about that, please get in touch with us because we got a lot of experience we're happy to share with you. And note, there are other editors that we have used, but we don't include in this list for a few different reasons, including shortcomings that we've experienced, particularly for podcast editing. Examples of what we mean by this is that we've tried video editors before, but they don't have good VST support, which is the plugins we were talking about. That's the standard of plugins that most audio programs use. Or they didn't have FLAC support that we talked about, the lossless audio. Or they just had poor audio editing abilities. So we have tried different video editors before, but we didn't want to include them in this list just because of those reasons. We would, we would struggle to bring them up in the context of a show about podcasting. Now, it's on its own, we talked about the textual editor descript. Technically, that starts free, but that free plan is probably not going to be enough for you for long-form audio podcasters. So really, you'd be buying into the subscription about $10 or $12 per month. And for many users, you're going to have to upgrade to the next tier up, which is $24 a month. It does audio and video, and it's available for Mac and Windows. And... As a note, although some of the products we mentioned do have Mac support, we can't say if they have M1 or M2 chip support. If you're familiar with the Mac line, you know their newer chips are called M1 and M2. If you have one of those processors, you should look to see if the audio or the video program that you want to buy in has that support in it before you actually purchase. And from everyone we've talked to, it seems like it does make a difference those chips have far better performance and possibly stability too, but we just don't know if they're going to have the support for your software. So you can always ask the community or ask us more about that at our Discord at betterpodcasting.com slash Discord. We'd love to know from you, what were some of the personal factors that you had that influenced your decision for editing? Please get in touch with us through the Discord server or email podcast at betterpodcasting.com or find all of our contact at betterpodcasting.com forward slash contact. And hey, if you are going to send us something, we'd love it if you'd send us a video clip as well, because we do have a video companion to the show over at betterpodcasting.com. And let's be real here. The audience would much rather see you than seeing either of us. This is the Better Podcasting Download. Morningconsult.com had an article last week that just caught my attention. The title was Podcasters First Wanted Your Ears, Now They Want Your Eyes Too. 
And there were some stats that were given on here. And I'll just get cut to the chase right away. 46% of podcaster listeners said they prefer consuming them with video compared with 42% who said that they would rather listen without video. And that sparked a whole conversation on our Discord server. But it also leads into a big, long-time discussion that we've had on the podcast. Are we talking about the traditional podcast with the traditional definition where it has to have an RSS feed and be distributed to Apple Podcasts in order to be called a podcast, i.e. Joe Rogan's podcast, which is currently exclusive on Spotify, can't be defined as a podcast because it's not on Apple Podcast, you know, whatever. Or can you go with the broad, the broader definition and say, well, the general public is saying podcasts in terms of, okay, it's a independent show made by people at home like yourselves. And it could be on a video. It could be on a Twitch stream. It could be on a YouTube. It could be on a, I don't know, an Instagram stream, whatever they call it, a Twitter spaces. I don't know if Mastodon has anything about that these days or a Facebook video or whatever, whatever it is, it doesn't matter. You could call it a podcast and it doesn't have to be that traditional definition, right? Or it doesn't have to be just audio or can it be video too? So we've had those discussions over the, the time and this seemed like an excellent time to review those discussions because of this 46% of podcast listeners say they prefer consuming them with video. And yeah, uh, some people do. Personally, the only time I really listen to podcasts is when I'm away from a video screen. And I know a lot of people do listen to podcasts when they can't actually view something. So you're talking about driving, maybe working out, maybe walking the dog, maybe fishing or doing something. You just don't have a screen up in front of you, but you want to have something that you're listening to. You could be 3D printing, you could be woodworking, you could be sewing, you could be doing something that you just can't have that video cooking or doing the dishes is another couple of things. Yes, some of the examples I just gave, you can have a screen up and you can refer to the screen. But a lot of the examples I just gave, you can't. So how do you feel about it? And you have to ask, your, if you're listening to me right now, you have to ask yourself, how do I do it? How do most of my listeners want to do it? Do I want to get both options available? Do I have time to do both options available? If I do the video, there's a whole bunch of expense and work that comes to it. I don't know. It's, it's really a personal decision. So, Stephen, what are your thoughts about this? I would love to know more about the mindset and, you know, the thought process behind the favoring of video and particularly about what that means for the perception of what a podcast is. Like, what, what I mean by that is, is it, so, is it the idea that people want to hear others talking but know them a little bit better by seeing them. And, and even though they might not be watching them all the time, by having the video aspect, you know, even if it's playing in the background, they've seen them. They now they know now know what they look like. They know an extra layer about them as opposed to this, this faceless voice in an audio-only program. Is it something about the connection? Because I, I do understand the whole concept about you know, a podcast right now is an audio product. That's the technical definition. But as we've discussed, you know, we're of the opinion that that the mainstream public, the mainstream consumers will define ultimately what a podcast is. 
And if they're just seeing a podcast as a certain type of product of, of you know, uh, audio or video, why is it that they're making that assumption that they're all the same? And why is it that they're gravitating towards video? I just want to know more about, about the why. That's where my mind goes to it. Because I also am very aware that in 2023, in my opinion, people's ability to pay attention is significantly lower than even five years ago. And what I mean by that is we, we've seen the short form content really pick up over the last few years with things like TikToks. You know, you make yourself a long TikTok video. It's not going anywhere. You make yourself a short one. People are going to pay attention. You go to an article. People want that one paragraph summary at the top. You go to a YouTube video. People want the bottom line up front or they're going to go to the time codes that are now being put in there that YouTube have adopted so they could jump to the specific sections that they want. People want generally to go and find independent videos covering a topic if they're learning something as opposed to big one, one big long training seminar. These are things that have changed with the world. So I struggle because I, I wouldn't have seen it this way. I would have felt like people would have been more inclined to listen to podcasts when they're not doing anything, where they can't pay attention. They're driving or, the, you know, they don't have video in front of them. They're working out or whatever. I would have thought it would have favored audio more in that general consumer mindset because I, I just don't see how video, like I don't see someone sitting down, pulling up our video and just sitting there watching it the whole time. I don't see that. I see somebody maybe watching it while doing something at the same time. So why does it favor video? It just, video seems very opposite of many other things that we see in current society. Yet, apparently, people favor it. I think a little bit of it is people trying to mimic very successful shows out there. I mentioned Joe Rogan before. I'll use him again. He does have a video component to his show. So, you know, people are actually watching his stuff and saying, hey, I could do that. That's what I need to do. Well, okay, if that's what you do, maybe it stems from the radio shows, which are now video streamed out there. ESPN Morning Radio, that was big for a long time where it was just radio for a while. And then they started streaming it, I believe, on ESPN too, the Mike and Mike show. This is years and years ago, right? And then people started to say, hey, look, this is it. The early, this is a great example. The early Mike and Mike video set was literally a radio set, right? And then it turned into a TV studio. They had mics on their desk versus in a boom arm, that sort of thing. And I haven't watched Joe Rogan in a long time. I never really consumed one of his podcasts or one of his shows from start to end. So I can't really tell you what's going on there. But what I remember is it was more of a radio setup. So maybe they're mimicking those sorts of things that they're seeing that are very successful or mainstream. I don't know. But there is something to it. Because 46, and I don't know about the scientific breakdown of that poll, by the way, that said 46%. What was it 46% of a third grade class or was it like 46% of a statistically relevant population? I don't know. But it's interesting that this conversation keeps on popping up and more and more podcasters, even in our very own sphere of influence on the better podcasting community have said, yeah, I consume with video, which would make sense since our better podcasting show is video and audio, but it, it kind of doesn't make sense to me because I would never sit down and watch us from start to be end. 
just just sit down and watch us. That's just not captivating content for for me. I want something. I, I want to. Heck, I was talking to my parents over this over the weekend. They love those police procedurals, right? Like CSI or Law and Order and that sort of. They they like the mystery, right? I'm like, isn't that formulaic? Doesn't that get to you after a while? And they're like, no, no, we love it. And I'm like, I need a little bit more in my storyline than what you're getting there. But some people like it. So, hey, to each their own, I guess. So, new Better Podcasting spinoff is coming soon. It's going to be a buddy cop series of SPNI in a procedural crime fashion. Are you going to be TJ Hooker, you know, going over the front of the hood of the car? Or is that going to be me? I think I have to be with the Canadian aspect of that, right? Yeah, there you go. <laughs> well, we'd love to know what your thoughts are all on this. And hey, if you do watch us, like, you know, dedicate, sit down and watch us. We would love to know about that because I, I genuinely feel, and maybe I'm wrong on this. I feel like a lot of our video audience probably are doing multiple things at one time with the video on, which, which I would also like to know. Why, why do you choose the video if that? And I, I'm, I appreciate you watching that. We put a lot of effort into the video. But what is the reason for that? Is it the connection factor that you can see us? Is it because it makes you feel better about yourself when you see me? Because that's that's my general experience is that, you know, I'm a good ego boost for people when they see me. <laughs> <laughs> There's that understated Canadian humility. <laughs> This is where we here at Better Podcasting turn the show over to you as we run through some of your feedback. We call this segment Better Podback. We had an exciting conversation over on our Discord server, which again, you can find at betterpodcasting.com slash Discord about ID3 tagging. So Josh Liston came in and he said, just for everyone's info here, ID3 tag from PA software is now working on the M1 Max. And then Randy Walker chimed in and said, do, do, do any podcast player apps use ID3 info? And that's for the whole thing. Anthony from Capes on the Couch, which is also another podcast in the Guinea Geek Network said, I don't know about the apps, but I also update ID3 uh, information as a precaution in case somebody downloads the source file. Uh, Damien also came in and said, I also tend to ID3 tag my files for the same reason. It also helps with my internal organization. My DAW file names are basic. EE-3-10 is what I'm working on now. However, the actual episode will end up named something like The Return to Riven. So I leave the file name as EE-3-10 to change the song name in, to the Return to Riven, change the album to 3, and change the track to 10, which also means if I pull all my exported files into a single folder, they should be able to be sorted in story order. So long story short, he does it for himself more than anything else. Yakko.org said, I use MP3 tag, which I've used for years on Windows, it has a Mac port and is in the App Store. And Josh Liston came back finally and re-entered the conversation. What did he have? What did he have to say, Stephen? <laughs> he said, "Good question." And this was in response to Randy. He said, "Probably not apps these days, but I've started tagging again lately, mostly for my own organization and confirmation. Essentially, I'll only ID three the final version of an MP3." So anytime after I know for sure which file I uploaded and which file contains the file edit, final edits. 
If I'm cutting best of clips or sending old episodes off to someone to download because the RSS feed for that particular show doesn't exist anymore, I use the episodes with artwork. Makes it easy to, to spot my final mixes visually and easier to know which episode to upload to captivate. I wish I was like you, Josh, because guess what I do? I, I have the same idea. I'm like, I'm going to go and I'm going to get it all tagged once it's all done. And then I go and I start uploading to wherever and I, I get it all uploaded as I'm previewing back the final version to which I realize I've made a huge editing mistake. And now I got to go and I got to resave and then I got to delete the file that I've uploaded and then I got to retag it. So I end up with like better podcasting 271 Z do not use .mp3 because I've already entered the ID3 information in that. So I'm not going to delete it. I'm just going to wait till the other one's finished and then I'm going to copy that and paste it into the other one. So I love this talk because this is such an old thing, but still is very relevant for many people. And I, I myself like to do it because of if the file is found in the wild or it is being played on some cutting edge audio player that for some reason has neglected this aspect of, you know, visual and is pulling on old technology of just playing MP3s or someone's putting it into just like a music based player. I just want to know that the information is there for them. Yeah, pretty much the same. I use a program called Tag and Rename. Have you, we've talked about it on the show before. And I copy and paste the base things from the previous file. And then I add the show notes on there. That's another thing. It's a place that you can store all the show notes within the file itself. So somebody looks up the information, they can find that. And if they want to know more about your show and all they have is the file, like they were given the file from somebody else or it found its way into some sort of internet archive outside of the RSS feed in the podcast media host, they can actually find their way back to the show's origin, betterpodcasting.com, legendsofshield.com, you know, whatever it is, they can find that within the file itself. So it's a long shot, but I do it. And I also do it for organizational. And the last thing we want to mention right now in our live chat, because we do stream the show while we record, we have at geeks.live, Johnny Pennington, birthday boy, Johnny, Pen Johnny Pennington, saying, actually, as I've explained before, watching the live video is a really great learning tool to see how it is corrected for the final edited video, a great way to learn. So what Johnny's talking about is why he watches our video where I asked a few minutes ago. So he watches a live and then he watches it afterwards to see all of the things that I removed, which is 90% just removing me from the video. 95%. Okay. Before we go, I want to give a little bit of an acknowledgement to some technology that was just announced yesterday. It's very topical, I think, to our discussion, which is that uh, Apple has done a refresh of their Mac Mini line, and I think a MacBook as well. I might be wrong on that. I do know the Mac Mini line. And the reason I want to mention this right now is because we touched on it earlier that the M1 and the M2 processors have really made, they've made some amazing advancements when it comes to computer hardware and what they can do for a lower price point, and if you're on a laptop, uh, saving battery and things like that. But because of the processor change, there's the software issue that we mentioned earlier where software has to be changed to natively work with that processor in order to really take advantage of that. Well, the Mac Mini just announced a refresh, and 
the first version of the Mac Mini, while on paper, it looks like it should have worked really well for different, you know, consumer podcast editors and videos and things like that. Um, I, I was actually recently looking into it because I was kind of like, you know, how does that fit in? If I'm going to spend some money on my equipment, how, how do I feel? Do I want to maybe go this way? And a lot of the reviews I was finding was that people were seeing that it was just a little underpowered, the first version of the Mac Mini for doing video and there was some stability issues that would come up and there's some other things that come up. But just yesterday, they announced that there's a refreshed version of the Mac Mini that has the newer processor and you can go into the even higher level processor. So I think that for people who are hobby podcasters, if you're thinking about looking at getting a computer, if you're thinking about maybe, you know, doing a significant upgrade, you might want to think about looking at the Mac route because the Mac mini might be that sweet point where if you go to the upper end of it, you might have a lot of overhead there for doing video and things like that without getting into the, the thousands and thousands of dollars worth of equipment. And I just wanted to throw that at the end because it's kind of related to the discussion we had today, but it wasn't exactly on point. And, you know, I'm, I'm not a Mac user, but I'm really ex ex uh, excited with what they've been doing. and this looks very promising because of the different shortcomings that I was seeing with the M1 Mac Mini and some of the problems people were seeing. I really suspect that this is going to alleviate those. Now, I obviously, they haven't been released yet. I have no hands-on experience, but I did want to mention that because, you know, you never know who's listening and might be thinking about doing an upgrade. This is actually huge news from Steven from his point of view, because as I was trying to go through my next evolution for a laptop just a year ago, I said, I'm looking at doing a MacBook Pro. And he's like, why would you do that? That just doesn't make any sense. So for him to actually make that leap and go, hey, the Mac mini for the price point and the processor is pretty good deal. Probably should listen to what Stephen has to say and do some investigating yourself. And also it helps that, you know, I'm moved to DaVinci Resolve, which has both Mac and Windows support. So that that, that also opens things up. <laughs> Discussion on that coming soon to Better Podcasting Live Chats. But I'm a Windows user for now and I've just invested in more hardware for my computer. So probably not going to Mac anytime soon. <laughs> Come to betterpodcasting.com slash discord. So for episode 271 of Better Podcasting, I'm Stephen John Drew saying, wow, did I just admit that on a podcast? Wow. And MSP saying, I'm excited for the season two finale coming up next week. Bye. See ya. Thanks for checking out another episode of Better Podcasting. You can find the full back catalog of Better Podcasting at betterpodcasting.com. If you're into geeky podcasts, please check out the other podcasts on the Gunna Geek Network at gunnageeknetwork.com. This show was produced and edited by Stephen John Drew. Voice work was done by L.W. Salinas. Thanks again for listening or watching, and we hope to see you again next week.